what you are here for, would you lift up your hand? Let me tell you something. And this is the question that all of us need to ask. If we are here because we want to make a difference, You know one thing, your life is important. Your family is important. Your career is important. Your finance is important. Your relationship is important. Your feeling is important. Your right is important. But if you are here because you want to build the kingdom, why is it all these things is more important than the kingdom itself? Hello? Why is all this thing more important than the kingdom itself? Are we reading the right scripture? Does it say that seek ye first all this thing and the kingdom will be added unto you? No, 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 no. It says seek ye first the kingdom of God and all this thing will be added to you. If we are here not just to sing a few songs, but we are here to save a few souls, then we've got to ask ourselves that question, why are all these other things more important than the kingdom of God? Today is the day of the decision. You can come here and sing a few songs or you can come here to win a few souls. That will change your priority in life. This morning, I want to take you to a piece of scripture that tells you of a man who have reached that stage where He's sick of just coming to sing a few songs. Where he has made up his mind that he is going to come and save a few souls. I'm going to tell you about this man. His name is Paul. Come with me to Philippians chapter 3. Please have a seat. You can sit down for now. Thank you. Philippians chapter 3. Those of you who knows me, you know that when I bring out my iPad, this is serious. Come with me to verse 12. And this is what Paul says. I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. But I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me to make me his own. I do not depend on my own strength to accomplish this. What does it say? This is what Paul is saying. He says, I have come to a point of decision where I'll stop singing just a few songs. That my focus is that I will save a few souls. But if you listen to him carefully, this is also what he says. He says, I'm not there yet, but I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to direct my spiritual journey and to guide me. Not on my own strength, but I will allow the Holy Spirit to take me on this journey. We understand that so far. He has made a decision that he's not going to just sit around, but he will make his life count for God. 
He has made it at a point that all these things is important, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. But what I really want to share with you is what he says next. Let me take you further. I do not depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. Wow. My spiritual journey, I depend on God. My spiritual direction, I will leave it to the Holy Spirit. But there's one thing I will do, Paul says. I will intentionally position myself for grace. And that's why I have titled today's message, Grace Positioning. He will position himself for the grace of God so that it will be between God and him, so that God can meet him in the chaos, so that God can meet him in his storm. But he chose consciously to position himself for grace. You understand what I'm talking about? It was intentional. It was purposeful. His direction and his journey, he will leave it to God. But to position himself for the grace and the power of God to come upon his life, he make a conscious effort. How? How does Paul position himself? One simple statement, but so powerful. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. How do you position yourself for grace? You position yourself for grace by forgetting the past and fastening yourself, your heart, to the future. You know, if you know Paul, Paul has a terrible past. How many of you here have a perfect past? You, I, I, I can see some of the halo on your head. Paul, Paul, Paul had a terrible past. He was vindicative. He was judgmental. He was self-righteous. He thought he knew the truth because he was the Pharisees of Pharisees. He was educated. He was the one who set the rule. He was the one who knows the law. He was the one who enforced the law. And Paul thought that he was right. In his mind, he was the only one who is right. Have you, do you know anybody who are like that? who thinks they're always right. I have a friend. Every time I get into a discussion with him, he'll tell me, Titi, I'm not always right, but I'm never wrong. That, 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 that was Paul. He was so bad. He was the judge. He was the jury. He was the executioner. He persecuted the church. He chased them. He tortured them. He imprisoned them. He even killed them. And at the time of his conversion, Jesus had to speak to Paul and say, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? He had a terrible past. He has hurt so many families. He has hurt so many people. He has hurt the whole nation of the Jewish people. People were destroyed because of the life of Paul. Paul had a painful past. He had a guilty past. If you were in his position, you would carry this baggage for your rest, the rest of your life. But you know what? Even after conversion, Paul had a terrible time. Nobody trusts him. Nobody believed in him. The people of God avoided him. 
they spread rumours about him. They hurt him, they persecuted him. He had a painful life before conversion. He had a painful life after conversion. He was falsely accused of so many things and he got so much baggage to carry. And Paul knew as long as he carried that package, he can't move forward. As long as the past hold him, he can't reach out for his future. He knew that. He knew that. So Paul determined one thing. He determined that he would not allow the pain of his past to color his future. You and I would do good. You and I would do well if we remember that that we will never allow the pain of our past to color our future. You see, he realized, if you look back, you will turn into a pillar of salt. You look forward, you will turn into a pillar of hope. But if you look upward, you will turn into a pillar of grace. That is when we stop singing a few songs and we stay, start saving a few lives. The choice is ours. It's absolutely ours. Whether we want to continue to look at the past, we're going to look at the future, or we're going to look up. We can sing all we want about you and I. You can sing all we want about you meeting me in the storm and in the chaos. But unless we make that decision, where we position ourselves for grace, the grace of God and the power of God in our life will never come. It is as simple as that. Paul says, I forget the past and I fasten myself, my heart, to the future. You know, sometimes we get stuck. When people hurt us, we have a choice. We can respond and be angry. We can respond and be vindicative. We can respond and just get unforgiving. But when we do that, we allow the other person to control our well-being. And some of us allow it to that extent that it has affected our health physically and mentally. But if we choose to respond, to forgive, and to respond with grace, we take back the control for ourselves. You see, what happened to us does not determine our well-being. How we react to what happened to us does So we have a choice. We can let other people control who we are. Or we can wrestle that control back and determine who we'll become. Paul understood that. And he knew that the only way he can position himself for the grace of God so that he can be impactful in the kingdom is to forget the past and fasten his heart to the future. You know, a year ago, I was at a stage where I wasn't sure I was seeing tomorrow. 
I couldn't even believe that the day would come I would stand before you ever again. And in ICU, in the midst of unconsciousness, slumber, and being awake, a thought, a vision came to mind. It was a simple statement. And the statement is, I'd rather be loved than be right. You know, for some of you at your age, you most probably don't understand that. But if you have elderly parents or you know people who are older, you ask them that. Because right there and there, I begin to understand if I have chosen to live my life before that, with that outlook, that I would rather be left than to be right. I wonder how many less people would I have hurt I wonder how many people would I have encouraged. I wonder how many more friends would I have today. Just one simple statement. I would rather be loved than be right. But yet, I know even at my age of 73, if I could fully live with that in mind, I could still impact the life of many people for the kingdom. You see, Paul understood that. That's why the cry of Paul is this. He said, I have reached a decision. I have reached a stage where I don't want anymore to just come sing a few songs. I want my life to save a few souls. And to do that, I must position myself for grace. And to position myself for grace, I must forget what is in the, my past and fasten my heart to the future. You have a cup of communion next to your chair. I want you to pick that up. Why now? Because today is the right time to remember what Jesus did at the cross. He did it not because you love him. You hear what I'm saying, church? He went to the cross not because you love him. He went to the cross because he loves you. You can sing all you want about how much you love him. But until you know how much he loves you, you will not position yourself for grace. So let's stand. As we hold this piece of bread, remember why he went to the cross. Let's eat of it. Now as you hold the wine, 
perhaps this morning, before we drink, we need to make a decision to position ourselves for grace. That if we are here because we want to join a family that will impact the kingdom, and before we drink, we need to ask ourselves the question, why is it then everything else seems to be more important than the kingdom? Did he not say, seek ye first the kingdom, and all this thing will be added to you? Are we just mouthing it, or does our spirit understand what God requires of us? That this blood was shed, it's not so that you and I could come here and sing a few songs. It was shed because there's a lot of soul that needs to be safe. The time is coming of great challenge, but together with great challenge come great opportunity, and together with great opportunity comes great reward. As we drink this cup, let's remember why Jesus came to the cross. Let's drink together. Father, I thank you. Never again allow us to forget the significance of the cross. He was not there for us to tell you how much we love you. He was there for you to remind us how much you love us. So once again, we thank you. We bless you. And we glorify you. Amen. I normally like to make my sermon short because I know the only person that likes to hear their own voice are the preacher. But the thing is that I'm not sure if I ever get a chance to face you guys again. So today, if I can, will you give me another 20 minutes? Because I want to share with you another life from the Bible that choose to position himself for grace. And I think it's important that we look at this life just as we have looked at the short statement that Paul had made. It was so short and yet so profound. I forget the past and I fasten my heart to the future. So much within that sentence that we can learn from. And I want you to just use this life to begin to just explain what the story is all about. Come with me to Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 19. Chapter 19, starting from verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was one of the most influential Jews in the Roman tax collecting business, and he became very rich. Before we go on any further, where was this place? Where was this place that all this thing is happening? Come on, talk to me. Jericho. You know what Jericho means? The word Jericho means a place of battle. It could also mean a place of fragrance. When I first realized that, I asked myself, how could a place of battle be a place of fragrance? How? But I can begin to realize that that is exactly what it takes. It is when you are there and you battle with God over the situation in your life and when you finally are broken that the fragrance of God 
can shine through. It's just like you buy a bottle of perfume. If you don't break the seal, you can't smell the perfume. Just like us, God has to break us. Our pride, our greed, our, our whatever else that we, we, we carry, unless we allow Him to break us, there will be no fragrance of God coming out of our life. So it was perfectly correct that this place was called Jericho. It has to be a place of battle where we can position ourselves for the grace of God to come. The next thing, who was, what is the name of the person that is involved beside Jesus? Zacchaeus. You know what the name Zacchaeus means? It means transparent and pure. I, I know when you say, Zacchaeus, transparent, pure, yes, he was. You see, Zacchaeus didn't live a lie. He lived exactly who he was. Right now, the world asks us to wear a mask. We can hide behind it. But God always requires us to take our mask off. Even if you don't take it off, he knows exactly who you look, what you look like. Zacchaeus, he was transparent. You, you know who he was? He was a tax collector. During those days, the Romans don't have very good infrastructure because their, their, their empire grew so big. So in order to collect tax, they will go to the city and they will appoint the chief gangster to be the tax collector. Because how many of you pay tax willing, willingly? So, so they, they, they'll get this gangster hit and says, you be the tax collector. Everybody knows that Zacchaeus is a gangster. Everybody knows that you don't mess with this short little fella. You don't mess with him. But, you know, the Bible also says that he was what? Come on. Rich. Now, do you know of any inland revenue people who are rich? No. They collect and they give it to the government. If you are rich, what is happening? You, you, you begin to see what Zacchaeus is like. He collects for himself. The Bible makes it very clear. But he didn't hide. The whole world know that Zacchaeus is a gangster. The whole no world know that Zacchaeus skim off the top. Everybody knows that Zacchaeus is stingy. Everybody knows Zacchaeus is rich. You see, for us to reach a position where we can be positioned for the grace of God, we have to be transparent to God. You can't hide. You can pretend. Your wife sometimes don't know that you're pretending. How many of you are married? Can I see your hand? Your husband sometimes don't know you're pretending. But God does. And to be in that position, we need to be transparent with God. So Zacchaeus was transparent. What does Zacchaeus want to do? What does Zacchaeus want to do? He wants to? Oh yeah, he, 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 he wants to meet with God. Just like you and I. We sing about this. It's just between you and I. We want to meet with God. Because you know why? We know that if one meeting with God would transform us forever. Isn't it? We know that. And it's our desire to meet with God. Just like the desire of Zacchaeus was to meet with God. He wants to have a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, just like you and I. But what was pre preventing him? He was, ah, he was short. But short is not really the problem. If you are short and there's no crowd, Takesa, isn't it? But there was a crowd. What does it speak of? You and I always have people who prevent us from moving forward with God.
It could be wrong company. It could be the right company with the wrong attitude. It could be the right company with the wrong frame of mind. They are always crowd. You know, I have a friend, I invite him to church. Every time he comes to church, he loves coming to church. You know why he loves the worship? He would stand there. He's not a believer. He would stand there and during the worship, he would cry, he would sob. Sometimes he sobs so loudly, the wife feels embarrassed and have to elbow him. You know what I mean? But up to the day, he's, he's not a Christian. I asked him why. He looked at me straight in the face and says, Titi, if I become a Christian, what do my friend think of me? You see, the crowd becomes more important than the God. Oh, who, who, who is your crowd? I, I, are you mixing with the right people who will encourage you rather than pull you back? Is it your family? Is it your loved one? Is it your children? It is, is it your newborn? I, 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 I don't know. Is it somebody who is sitting next to you now? I, I, I don't know, but all of us have a crowd and we've got to be careful about that. So there was a crowd. But being short also is a problem, isn't it? If there's a crowd and you are tall, Oops. You don't have a problem. So what does it speak of? Many of us are short. We are short of patience. We're short of grace. We're short of forgiveness. And all of us have shortcomings. Don't, don't look at me as if you don't know what I'm talking about. All of us have shortcomings. Some of us, we are just abrasive. Have, have, have you met people who are a bit abrasive and we always give them excuse? Oh, he or she, she's like that one, now, but the heart is good. What do you mean she's like that one? Because we are making the image of God. Because if you say she's like that one, that means God is like that. Is, is that what we mean? We, we, we all have shortcomings. And we have to begin to identify our shortcoming. I always tell people it's very simple. If I have problem with Lisa, it could be Lisa's problem. If I have problem with Lisa and what's your name, brother? Zach. Oh, okay. Then it could be Lisa or Jack's problem. But if I have problem with Lisa, Jack, and Audrey, the chances are it is my problem. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? We, we sometimes have got to stand at the mirror and look at ourselves. Because all of us, don't look on the floor, there's nothing there, look at me. All of us have shortcoming. And until we realize that and be transparent as Zacchaeus before God, we can't position ourselves for the grace of God. And I want to tell you one thing. Time is coming when God is going to use this church. Time is coming when the need is going to be so great, the opportunity that's going to be so great, that together we can move forward and begin to make an impact for God. But our choice is that, are we going to position ourselves for grace? Or are we going to hold on to the past and to continue to let it drag us back? Every time we take two steps forward, we take five steps back. What is it going to be? So Zacchaeus, there's a crowd, and he was short. So what did he do? You see, you guys never read your Bible properly. He didn't just climb a tree, he ran. Why, why was he running? Was there only one tree in the whole of Jericho? That's why he ran to go... No, no, no. I'm sure Jericho have more than one tree. Then why does Zacchaeus run? You know, the Bible is such a fascinating book if you write, read, and write, uh, and ask the right question. You see, Zacchaeus was the most prominent person in town. 
Everybody know him. He most probably every day drive around in his Rolls Royce. Everybody knows Zacchaeus. Who is the most prominent person you know? You got that in your head? Can you see that person climbing a tree? No. Of course not. Zacchaeus ran because of pride. He didn't want anybody to see him, that he needs God. He didn't want people to see him doing all this embarrassing thing. So he ran ahead where nobody is. He knew that Jesus is going to come that way and he climbed up that tree before anybody was there. Pride. And most of us never position ourselves for grace because our pride holds us back. Zacchaeus had to overcome that. So he ran. Then what did he do? Now everybody is afraid to respond. He ran, then what did he do? He climbed. Easy thing, isn't it? Climbing a tree. How many of you have climbed a tree before? Okay. How many of you have never climbed a tree before? Oh, you miss out in life. You don't know. If I were you this afternoon, I'll go back, I'll climb a tree. You, you, you miss up so much. You know, so, 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 actually climbing trees is fun. But for Zacchaeus, it was difficult because he was short. And I was told that he climbed a sycamore tree. And one of my friends told me that the sycamore tree is one of the slipperiest tree you ever climbed. So can you imagine this short little guy hugging this slippery tree, just sliding up and down, right? Now, if, if you think that is difficult, if you think that is difficult, how many of you have climbed a tree wearing a sarong? You've you got to remember those days, they don't wear pants. They wear gown. So, I was going to ask you to imagine, but don't imagine too hard, okay? <laughs> Just this short guy, one hand holding to the gown, the other hand holding to the tree, trying to climb up this tree in the hurry so that nobody sees him because the crowd is coming. It takes great effort. If we're going to position ourselves for grace, it it takes great effort. It takes great sacrifice. It takes great surrender. So he climbed up the tree. If you were Zacchaeus, which part of the tree will you be in? Front? Branch. Which branch? The branch that have the most leaf. Because I don't want people to see me. So you can imagine this short little guy with a gown holding on to the branch, getting to the branch where there's the most leaf, hoping that nobody sees him, right? Desperately. And if you read on, we all know the story. That's why I'm not reading it. What happened? What happened? Jesus came. And he walked almost underneath him. And Zacchaeus was thinking, good. He didn't notice me. As he was about to pass, Zacchaeus did not even breathe. You know why? He's afraid that if he breathed too hard, a leaf would fall. You, you know that there's about 2,000 people following Jesus, right? If a leaf fall, 4,000 eyes. So, so, so he literally stopped breathing. And was thinking, good. He didn't notice me. So Jesus walked past. And then, of all the sudden, as he was breathing a little bit easy, Zacchaeus, 
where is the 4,000 eyes? You know, he almost fell off because the minute he heard his name, his hand went to his sarong and he forget the branch. Zacchaeus! What's your name, brother? Joel? You ever wonder how Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name? He knows your name. What's your name, sister? Deborah? He knows your name. You better believe it. He knows. He knows everyone of our name. And perhaps, just like Zacchaeus, we are up in our tree. And here he is looking up, calling Joel, Deborah. The question is how long does he need to call you before you respond? How long does he need to call you before you decide that you are not just going to come here and sing a few songs? How long before the kingdom of God become more important than all these other things? The fact that he, doesn't, he knows your name doesn't mean that you will answer him. Zacchaeus, but I want you to realize the rest of the story. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. What did Zacchaeus do? Talk to me. What did he do? He came down. Where are the 4,000 eyes? On him. Where was one of his hand? Holding on to his sorrow. You know, sometimes when God calls us, it's very difficult to respond because the whole world is looking at us, isn't it? But that is what a well-lived life is all about. We are on display about the grace of God for the world to see. You see, our ministry is not our life. Our life is our ministry. And how we live it, the whole world was seen. And Zacchaeus came down. What did Jesus want to do with him? Just makan with him. It's just no big deal. Just makan. So if a friend invites you, go. Go share a piece of roti chana is okay. Because it's true that fellowship with God, that the anointing comes. You know what blows me away was this. Jesus didn't preach to him. Do you realize that? He just went and ate with him. Just makan with him. In the middle of the, the makan, what did Zacchaeus say? You got to remember, Zacchaeus was very stingy. That's why he was rich. He had a problem with money. You, you got to understand Zacchaeus. It's not that Zacchaeus, the Bible says Zacchaeus was rich. Zacchaeus didn't have money. Money has Zacchaeus. You understand what I'm saying? That was who he was. And yet, just with a simple meal with Jesus, without preaching, without teaching him anything, what did Zacchaeus say? Yes, what do I have? No, no, first of all, he says, whoever I cheated, 
Can you imagine somebody who comes and says, I cheat people, you know? Have you, you hear of that? Have anybody come to you to tell you that they are wrong? Most of the people come to you to tell you why they are right. Right, isn't it? Zacchaeus look at Jesus and says, you know, I cheated people. I'm asking, yeah, Jesus know that. And he says, whatever, whoever I cheat, I will do what? Repay? How many times? This doesn't, it doesn't compute. It has to be gone. And then he says, half of what I have, I give to the poor. Now imagine with me. Jericho was not a very big city. What Zacchaeus did transformed the whole city. Just one encounter we got. So my question today is, will you position yourself for grace? We all have shortcomings. We all have our crown. But yet God requires to be transparent. And just like Paul, we must reach a position where we are saying, it is no longer me who wants to come and sing a few songs. I want to save a few souls. I have the position myself for grace. And to do that, I have to intentionally forget the past and embrace the future. Time is coming. As this season is upon us where great needs and great challenges will come. But together with that come great opportunity for you and I to make a difference that the name of God can be glorified and the kingdom to be built. We have to position ourselves for grace. This church must move forward to impact the nation for the kingdom of God. You can either be part of it or you can continue to come sing a few songs because they sing quite well here. The choice is ours. You know, I wonder, I wonder if there's anyone here who have made a decision today just like Paul to forget the past and to embrace the future. Just like Paul, we have a painful past. We have hurt people, people that have hurt us. We have done things that have not glorified the name of God. But we have reached a point, just like Paul, where we want to position ourselves for the grace of God and say, God, I want to forget the past and move and embrace the future. If that is you, I want you to make a real commitment today. Where you are, will you kneel down and do business with God right now? Just you and God. You could be at home following us. God can see you wherever you are. If you have to kneel down and do business with God, today is a day of decision.
Just say, I surrender my past, God. Painful as it is. And I fasten my heart to the future. If that is you, will you please kneel where you are as we pray? Father, I thank you. That is what the cross is for, Father God. That you love us, you forgive us, and you say, as we forgive others, you will forgive us. So we ask for your forgiveness, Lord. For the things that we have done, for the people that we have hurt, for the people that we have not encouraged. Teach us, Father God, to live a life where we would rather be loved than be right. Help us, Lord. And all of us right now here, kneeling down before you, saying, Holy Spirit, we surrender our past. And we move forward to the future. Come upon us right now, Lord. I ask and pray. In Jesus' name. Don't be in a hurry to stand up. Just do your business with God. As we continue to just worship the Lord. Father, we thank you for this morning. As we leave this place, may your Holy Spirit continue to minister to our heart. Each day, bring us closer to the cross that we would pick up our own cross and follow you. Let us go with your grace. Let us go with your peace. Let us go with your power. So we thank you for this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Don't, forgive to give, don't forget to give. Go to the website and search, check out all the things that is happening in the church because there was no announcement. But go in the grace of God and we'll most probably you see each other again next week. God bless you. Hallelujah. This sermon has been brought to you by Harvest Generation Church. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged.